Welcome to Draftapalooza here on the Motown Call podcast. My name is Christopher Berlue and I'm joined by my co-host Alvin Abraham. Alvin, man, how's it going, buddy? Four days away. I am excited. <laughs> I am too. And we uh, brought ourselves in a heavy hitter here for the uh, with the draft. We brought in Dan Colith. Dan, how's it going, my man? I am doing great. <laughs> I, I just like how profound it is. He's doing great. Uh, this is this is going to be lost on the audio audience, but he is wearing the official Detroit Lions draft day cap, which is a white and blue Christmas hat with the Lions logo on it. Because we know that when it comes to Christmas, it comes once a year for the Lions fans. And this year is not going to disappoint or could disappoint. Who knows? But we are in a usual spot we we're drafting seventh in this year's draft and there's there's a lot of intrigue with this obviously uh guys this is uh the first draft where we don't have bob fucking quinn anymore we have brad holmes as the gm at the helm here uh so just kind of uh with the lead in here and i know that brad spoke to the media earlier this week uh, how are you guys feeling with with the draft is we, as Alvin said, we're four days out. We're in an interesting spot, you know, talking, talking about just for the lions, we're at an interesting spot. We're at number seven. We have flexibility there. Um, I'm feeling good though, because we have options, you know, um, ideally, obviously I wish we tanked a little bit more. Didn't win that bears game. Um, <laughs> but you know, we're at seven and we have options. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of, uh, different alternatives, even the mocks, all the mocks that I'm seeing, it's just different. No one knows what's going to happen. So that is exciting in itself. Yeah, I think that's one of the the beautiful things about Brad Holmes and the Dan Campbell era uh, here in Detroit. You know, Campbell's a really gritty guy. Um, You know, we saw him play through some injuries here in Detroit in his three years as a, a tight end on the team. Uh, You know, we kind of saw his philosophies as he was the interim in Miami through his work in New Orleans and especially learning under a guy like Sean Payton. Um, So, you know, you've got really a rookie GM and a rookie head coach again, but these guys are different in a lot of ways. You know, Dan Campbell really kind of embodies that spirit of the city. He's a tough, he's a gritty guy. He doesn't give a fuck. Um, that Pat McAfee interview was amazing, um, especially when he told Pat he'd gone soft because he was doing podcasts. thought that was a wonderful little barb. And Brad Holmes has made a lot of savvy moves as GM even so far, making cuts of players, trading, uh, you know, acquiring draft capital this year, next year, future years. Um, you know, and really one of the things that should give Lions fans a lot of hope is the Deshaun Watson situation. We managed to trade Stafford when everyone was still talking like it was going to take three first-round picks to trade for Deshaun Watson, and we got a king's ransom. And then all of a sudden, the stuff with Deshaun Watson dropped, and the market plummeted. The bubble burst, and we got out of Stafford before the bubble burst. And that alone should give people a lot of hope that this regime will be different because I don't trust any prior regime in the last 20 years to have been able to do that and get out ahead. I completely agree with that. 
you look at what we got for Stafford, which is ultimately two first round picks and in upcoming drafts, a third round pick this year. And then you get an asset in Jared Goff where it doesn't necessarily hinder the Lions from taking the quarterback if the correct quarterback that they would want would be there at seven. But also it gives you the options that we can look at a couple of other things and not have to worry about the quarterback this draft. Because then if we're really bad next year, we wouldn't have possibly another high draft pick and we'd have another first round pick that we could throw into there if we needed to move up just a little bit further to get that guy that we want. So we have a little bit of flexibility there. And the one thing that I, I, the only good thing that I can say about Bob Quinn, uh, other than the fact that he's gone, yay, um, is the fact that he left Brad Holmes with a really good problem, which is he doesn't have to, he doesn't, it's not a hard decision because the money with the dead cap, it's, it's different than a lot of other sports. It's not going to hinder them too much where you had Iserman come into the Red Wings and he had to figure out what he was going to do with the corpse. That was just an applicator who had just gotten signed to a big contract a year or two before he took over uh, from Ken Holland. Troy Weaver didn't have a lot of big long-term contracts to worry about, but he had a gigantic cap hit from Blake Griffin that he had to figure out, is this something that we can use right now? Is Can we trade it? Ultimately, they worked out a deal to save $12 million on next year's uh, cap for him just to walk. So Brad Holmes had a lot of easier conversations to set himself up for this. Uh, nothing crazy in there weren't any big splashes in free agency for the lions uh it really feels like they want this pick they want they want to make the right for them the right pick that's gonna be able to build rather than bringing in people from free agency um and it's definitely something we're going to talk about later because the the number one thing for me from brad holmes is i think there are two or three guys that if you take it in that spot, you're going to have a, you're going to have a really good draft grade. There's, there's two or there's a couple guys that uh, I, I'm looking at a, uh, for example, I'm looking at mydraft.com as off the pot. I said that this is my number one place to go for, for drafts. I've been looking at it since 2009. They have Jalen Waddle going at seven to the lions (laughs) Which um, I would, I would storm Allen Park if that happened. Hey, well, that you know what? That's a good transition into. Uh, I don't know. Should we just go right into it? <laughs> in I think of- we should. I th- I think I think the the schedule here is is we're gonna go one through one through six and kind of uh, talk about just just briefly because those are those are gonna be some really interesting things that get us to seven. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is the reason we, we brought Dan on to talk about this is, Dan, how long have you been making these big boards? Oh, shit. 12 years I've been doing draft yeah. boards. Yeah. So for the last 12 years, uh, Dan makes these just these big draft boards uh, in that he was, ha- he was great to sh- share with us uh, in, in which it's he has everybody ranked – uh, every pres- every position rank and it go it's very thorough it goes ext- it goes extremely deep here 
I'm just getting back to it here on my end here on one of my screens. Uh, it has, he sets off simply with the draft order in all of the rounds. Uh, and then we have the needs here and this is, uh, and this is uh, an interesting right now uh, looking at your needs here. We're going to get into the lions at seven after we, we get there. I kind of want to really go into uh, one through six first, but your number one need for the lions is wide receiver on your board. Is this, I mean, we this don't have anybody. <laughs> I mean, we don't, we don't have anybody. Now, would, would I say draft a wide receiver at seven? No, this is actually a really good draft for receivers. There's going to be a lot of deep talent in here. Um, day two, third round, there's going to be a lot of names there that I like. Um, you know, it's, there's, I have, what did I rank? 40 different wide receivers ultimately. Um, and there's a guy that's, um, you know, that I really like. I, I always laugh. I have an all best names draft. Um, and the, the number one guy on my board for that this year um, is actually one of the better day two wide receivers. And that's going to be Amon Ra St. Brown out of USC. Um, God, if we could get him, I would just laugh that one to the bank. But I do think you defense, would ha ha Clinton Dix that all the way to the bank. I, you know what? I would. I absolutely would. <laughs> He's ranked uh, seventh on your on your board here uh, out of USC. Uh, so that would be a solid third round. And ultimately, the way that I look at it is there is a wide receiver I would take at seven. I don't think that he will be there at seven, but Jamar Chase. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Jamar Chase is going to be scooped up before seven. And I, I, that's, that's the, that's the, the, if we're looking at it, I, I mean, I could be dead wrong with this and, and you can, you can slay this with me, but Devonte Smith just screams slot receiver in the NFL. I'm not touching. I mean, him. especially now that his, his true height and weight have come out and he's, smaller than people thought he was um that's i think you'll see him slip honestly um i, I hot take i think kyle pitts is gonna go before Devonte smith does um i agree i agree with i don't you. think that yeah I, I don't think that's a hot, I, hot take at all yeah i i have a very firm idea of where i think kyle pitts would go i the way i look at Kyle Pitts is he's somebody that he's on my board of if of top five players that I would want to see the Lions take and would reasonably be there at seven. Um, because if I went, obviously, if I just went through this and picked who I wanted at seven, I would be like, oh, number one's Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence ain't going to be there at, at one. Which, which brings me to a, a fun thing. It, all right, I'm going to throw an idea out here at you. All right, so the, it's the day before the NFL draft. And Trevor Lawrence goes on InfoWars to tell Alex Jones that not only is he Q, but also he is a member of ISIS. Does he still get picked at number one? <laughs> Urban Meyer's the head coach. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's literally, there's crazy. no, I mean, it, 
you guys, they, they, he, he already has a playbook. He's literally right now studying the playbook right now. There's no way he's not going one. I think the only way is if, you know, uh, he cuts all of his hair. It, I mean, honestly, at this point, it would take something like Mac Jones winning the Nobel Peace Prize while throwing footballs to orphans or something like it's it would take something absolutely catastrophic to cause a Laramie Tunsil situation uh, with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I, at this point, he may as well already be looking at houses in Duval County because he's going there. It's happening. Yeah, yeah. there's literally no way there's 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 no other there's no other way. Um Mac Jones saves uh, saves Urban Meyer from being hit by a bullet train and subsequently also gets leaked private photos of Urban Meyer to use as blackmail. And I still think he takes Trevor Lawrence at number one. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. Mac Jones is really gaining some, uh, some clout here a few days before the draft. I feel like he's been like the hottest name right now. Mac Jones is an interesting QB prospect. Um, and I think a lot of people kind of slept on him to this point because at Bama, admittedly, you had Waddle and you had Smith. He had two top flight wide receivers. And, you know, a lot of people looked at that and said, well, they made a lot of it happen. Especially when you look at that college football national championship game where you know, Jalen Waddle just did everything for a half and absolutely torched Ohio State. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people look at that and say, well, Mac Jones didn't do that. That that He had the stats, technically, but was that him? And the thing is, the dude can make the throws. He's not crazy mobile, but he's got good vision. He's got good accuracy. He's got an above-average arm strength. The dude's got potential, and you can't not look at that when it comes to Mac Jones. Is Zach Wilson absolutely my number two? Yeah, he is. That's really, I don't think, a question for anybody. The question then becomes, who is your number three? Um, And really, for me, Wilson and Jones kind of dead even and it depends on the day some days i like one more than the other but boy are they just 2a and 2b so do you guys do you guys think that uh fields and trey lance are they are you you, do you think that they're going to go before mac i think so no at this point at this if before the epilepsy stuff came out about justin fields which could be nothing, could be something. I'm not seeing them going before seven, which really that in my mind, that in my mind is the reason why that's a hot when take. We get to it. I think it's going to be very hard for the if the Lions wanted to trade down. I really think it's going to be really hard for them to get a trade partner because I don't, if somebody trades up to, I, well, first of all, there's, Nobody's going to want to trade up with the price it is at uh, four or five to get a QB. Chris, with, you're, you're saying so. You're saying that you think that Fields is going to be there at seven? Yeah, I, I think Justin Fields 
reasonably would be there at seven. And I would, I'm not going to shoot the boot on it as a popular radio station here in Detroit would say, but I'm about 90% sure there's not a chance Justin Fields is there at seven. All right, let's let's bet my uh, Rip Hamilton uh, bobblehead that I've had for 15 years in front of me. Let's let's bet it. Let's bet it. I don't want to see you cry, so I'm not going to do that. Because <laughs> that's going to be a, a lot of once I win, that's going to be a lot of journaling from you. Day seven without the bobblehead. Because here's the thing: that's so a, I would say that's a hot take. So if you're saying Fields is there at seven, right? I oh my god, I I. That is such a, a – I would be so tempted to take him then. I wouldn't think he was going to be there. There's no smokescreen that we're definitely looking at a, a quarterback there or we're even remotely thinking about it, which really – we're a little bit more open to it than we were last year when we were at three and we could have took Tua or Justin Herbert, which, by the way, would have really helped with trading if we would have just told Stafford, hey – uh, we're going to throw some smoke out there rather than spend three months telling everybody Stafford's still our guy. Be really smart to be like, hey, we're, we don't we want to trade down. We don't want a quarterback. So you don't get saddled into taking fucking Jeff Okuda third overall, who was the player you wanted. And you probably reasonably could have got it six or seven if you would have just played the game. But. That's, that's why, why Bob he's Quinn gone. Sucked at his job. <laughs> and that's why him and Fat Bastard are gone. So, all right. So we're kind of in consensus here at number one, number two. It sounds like we're all leaning towards Mac Jones is going to be number three. If feels weird, two drafts in a row where we're going to have Alabama quarterbacks taken in the top five because Alabama seems to not <laughs> their their quarterbacks tend to you know, have that AJ McCarron backup at best kind of career. So, but Hey, that's, uh, that's the way, that's the way it's going to go. So I think the draft starts getting interesting at four. For me, it gets really interesting at four at Atlanta because if I'm Atlanta, I really think about a quarterback because Matt Ryan, the last time I checked, is 106. He's an old guy. He's older than, than me and Dan. So if you're a quarterback and you are older than me and Dan, uh, your team needs to start thinking about, do you need to draft a quarterback for the future? Case in point, Aaron Rodgers wins MVP last year, probably because he's pissed that they drafted a quarterback that they traded up to get a quarterback in the first round last year. And Jordan love, if I'm Atlanta, I'm thinking about a quarterback. I'm thinking about Lance. I'm thinking about Fields, but right now I would put Trey Lance over Fields with the just with the health concerns. And I don't even think Trey Lance is going to be that great. But this is where I think the first heartbreak happens for Lions fans, because uh, anybody who's following the draft wants Penny Asul out of Oregon. And I think that that would be a really good place for him to go. A kind of a shocker because I think a lot of people think he falls off the board uh, with uh, at five with Cincinnati. But I think there's a good chance he falls off the board at four with Atlanta. They Atlanta's in this position where I'm sure they're just like, 
hey, we we didn't expect to lose to the Lions and a lot of other games because that's a game that the Lions should have lost because then they would be picking here. And then we would get to talk about a lot of other really interesting, tangible things. So but Atlanta's picking here at four, and I think they're going to either go two ways. I think they're going to go Penny Sewell, or I think they're going to go Kyle Pitts. So here's the thing with Atlanta. Um, offensive side of the ball, Matt Ryan notwithstanding, they're pretty solid. What they really need to look at is a QB if they're looking offense. They've got a lot of needs on the defensive side of the ball, especially in the defensive backfield, but they also really need an edge rusher. Thing is, I'm not taking any of those at four. If anything, Atlanta's looking to blow smoke and trade down. I don't think anyone's really going to trade up with them, though. They're kind of in a weird position where quarterbacks are going to make a really early run. So most teams that would be looking to trade up are looking to Atlanta to say, what are you going to do? Because what you do alters what we're going to do. And I feel like with Atlanta, nobody really knows what's the plan down there at the Mercedes-Benz Dome. Um, Could Kyle Pitts go? Yeah, absolutely. They could certainly use a just physical freak of an athlete uh, like Kyle Pitts. Um, They could very well draft uh, Jamar Chase um, just to throw a weapon out there. Um, They could draft Sewell. I don't know that they're going to, quite frankly. Um, I think if anything, they're going to take a skilled position player. It's probably going to be wide receiver or tight end. Most likely, I would say it's probably going to be Kyle Pitts that you'll see going four. To me, that really leads into the intrigue at five of can you reunite Jamar Chase with Joe Burrow, which would be a sexy pick, but it would be the wrong pick because as unsexy as it is, Joe Burrow needs to live another two years. Um, And in order to keep him alive, they desperately need Penny Sewell or Rashawn Slater. I, I completely agree with that. And I think that that may cause, especially if what I think is happening is I think they're going to take, I to me, aging quarterback with weapons still around him, adding a weapon is for them is going to be ideal. They're in a gigantic market. It's a new GM, new coach they're really going to want to get something really sexy for the fans, especially with it feeling like they want to show their fan base that this was just a down year. It was just a, Hey, this just kind of happened that we, we finished. uh, Well, they were three and 13, right? I believe so. Three and 13. Yep. Three and 13. So I feel like they could try to go with a, uh, a Kyle Pitts, which would be a really good pick for them or going for Jamar chase, which that's a good pick too. I still think it's aging quarterback. You need to put a, another warm young body in front of him blocking defenders. That would be your penny. will pick there. And then Cincinnati is where it gets interesting because if I'm the lions, I either want an offensive lineman or I want Kyle Pitts 
who is a slightly better blocker than TJ Hawkinson. Kyle Pitts is not an amazing blocker. I believe pro football focus rates Kyle Pitts at like a 68.8 for blocking. Uh, I'm sure TJ Hawkinson, although he's tremendous catching the ball, uh, was a pro bowler last year in a non-pro bowl (laughs) NFL season. I'm pretty sure his blocking would be a negative six. You it's know, not really out there for his body. <laughs> it's it's what he can do with things coming into his hands, not what he's doing necessarily with his hands uh, right there. You, you know, but I I I, uh, I think I think this is our first. Uh, we're 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 disagreeing here. I think uh, I'll, I'll come in here. I don't think that the Falcons are. I think they're going to take fields. I, I, I think they're going to go with a QB. Actually, you know, if, if I was the Falcons, I would actually want Pitts. I would want a skill position. But I, you know, just looking at all the mocks and looking at uh, what they've been leaning towards, they were expressing, they look like they were interested in Trey Lance at four, which was kind of surprising to me. I actually think that they're, they're I actually think they're going to go with the QB here, Chris. Right, that's that's Which, that down for a QB. I don't know. I think that's good for the Lions if he, if they do do that. It's uh, if a quarterback goes before seven, the more quarterbacks that go before seven, because I think it's it's highly unlikely that we're going to uh, take a quarterback. But if four quarterbacks go before us and there's five that people are crazy about, and Denver's goal is to get a quarterback at nine then it gets really interesting because they have said from everything i've read they're cool with fields they're cool with lance so if there's three quarterbacks taken one two three and nothing falls before us there's no panic for them to move because we're not probably going to take a quarterback carolina trades for sam darnold they're definitely not taking a quarterback so if somebody moves up to eight, which is going to be a little bit of an easier trade up than to seven, they still feel like there's going to be a quarterback for them at nine. So that, but if somebody goes before then, then that yeah. makes it advantageous for them to get kind of antsy and want to start moving up to, to, to get a quarterback. Uh, so at, but where do you think uh, Cincinnati goes at uh at five there, Alvin? Cause it sounds like uh Sounds like we're. Oh, I think if there's no if if Penny Sewell is not there, then it sounds like we. Dan thinks that Kyle Pitts is going to go there, which I largely agree with. I think I think Penny is going to go at five there. Uh, I think that's a smart move. Wasn't he? I don't. I I think wasn't he the most sacked QB last year? I feel like Dan would know this. Joe at Burrow? least up until he, he got he was yeah. he until was his knee until he got injured, you know, for the whole season. Um, and I honestly, I would say that really the best thing for the Lions will be if three quarterbacks go in the first three and four, five, and six are not quarterbacks. The more quarterbacks that are available at seven, um, I, I think that's really where Brad Holmes is going to have a chance to shine in trading down i think there's four main teams that are probably talking to him right now um 
and we can kind of get into that here. Um, I think Cincinnati, the, the consensus is if it's not Jamar Chase, it's going to be Penny Sewell or Rashawn Slater. Um, the fan base in Cincinnati has pretty well said, like, you know, keep Joe Burrow alive, please. Like, please, pretty please, sugar on top. Um, and there was actually some backlash um, in the Cincinnati papers over the Baltimore trade with Kansas City for the offensive tackle Orlando Brown. Um, because the draft capital that Cincinnati has is much better than the draft capital that Kansas City has. Um, Kansas City, obviously, you know, drafting at the bottom of every round. Um, and, and Baltimore made a kind of a big blockbuster deal a couple days ago. Um, so in Cincinnati, they were, you know, a little upset, like, hey, can we, please, can we have that? So I really think offensive line is the way that they're going to go uh, down there at the southern tip of Ohio. Um, I would be really surprised if Penny Sewell is there for whatever reason that they don't take him. Um, and and equally as much if both Sewell and Jamar Chase are gone, they would probably go Rashawn Slater. In the event that Sewell's gone but Jamar Chase is there, that's going to be the sexy, ooh, we're reuniting these two college teammates. And, I mean, the storyline writes itself here. It really does. And, I, I mean, I wouldn't blame them at that point. Um, you know, Jamar Chase is fast. He is quick. He just it, the cuts he makes on routes are insane. You almost don't even need a line. You go two step drop, flip it out to Chase, and, and let him do something. Um, the fact that they let AJ Green walk really speaks to wide receiver being a major need in Cincinnati. Joe Burrow's knee would like to say that offensive line is a little more important. Um, but I, I really think that Cincinnati goes offensive line. Yeah, and yeah. that and with all the trade talk here, this is that brings us here to Miami. And when I was talking to Dan off the pod, he brought up a teaser here at six where he feels like there is a trade partner at six with Miami who has already traded from three with Philly and then traded or, or trade, I'm sorry, with San Francisco. I apologize. And then traded again with Philly to move up to six. Uh, so I'm all ears for this, Dan. Uh, if I'm if I'm Miami, I take the best wide receiver available at six. Give two a, a weapon. Their offensive line is good, but the need for a weapon for a young quarterback for them is a little bit more dire than would be with Cincinnati. So the my thing with Miami here. Um is Detroit should have just taken Tua and made Miami pay the price last year. I think what's been happening here with, especially with them moving up with and, and swapping picks with Philly, um, is they're really looking to see, okay, what is Detroit going to do? Um, Miami's got a lot of ways they can go. There's a lot of needs on that team. They really didn't have a great year. Either side of the ball, the line is just hot garbage. Um, they, they can't block. They can't protect. They can't rush the passer. 
they ranked in the bottom third of the league in tackles for loss. I mean, it was just not good. Problem is, though, at six, you're not taking defensive line. There's really not a defensive lineman that I would take inside of the top 10. Um, maybe Greg Rousseau out of Miami could slot in there. The crazy thing about him, for as good as he is, most mocks that I've looked at, I've looked at about 12 so far in the last two days that are fairly recent. None of them have him going in the first round, which is actually incredibly surprising to me um, that guys, you know, like Jason Owe, uh, Quiddy Pay, um, Joseph Osai, Aziz Ojolari uh, are all being, um, you know, in the first round, uh, whereas Gregory Rousseau is is definitely slipping in his draft stock. And I think that's definitely a day two name to watch. Uh, I think what Miami probably should do here is either go Rashawn Slater or go with the best wide receiver available who will likely be Jalen Waddle. Yeah, I still think they I think they go for a weapon there. Jalen Waddle, uh Jalen Waddle obviously being there. Devontae Smith is still someone that they're gonna talk about with that Alabama connection. Uh with uh Tua. It's yep, I still think there's a chance that Jamar Chase could still be there for them when they pick at six. And they <laughs> if if Cincinnati does it, does it right and takes an offensive lineman. And then that brings us to seven, which is our Detroit Lions. Our Detroit Lions are drafting seventh. And I think that we can all go on a limb here and say, I really, 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 really hope two options. One, draft capital and we're able to move down I don't think that that's a possibility. I, as I've said previously, uh, now Dan's already Dan's already on fire for that. So <laughs> I, I'll just say my piece here real quickly. It's got to be Slater or Penny Asul or Kyle Pitts with the slight advantage of the blocking if he's still there. I don't think Sewell and I don't think Pitts are going to be there at seven. Pitts more likely than Sewell to be there. Uh, I would put Pene Sewell being there at a 10% chance. I'd put Kyle Pitts being there at a one in four chance, in my opinion. So that's why if I'm at seven, I'm most likely going Rashawn Slater or hoping that somebody gives me a trade where I acquire extra assets and I'm able to move down where there's a better chance of having somebody that could help me on my defense, which the biggest thing that Brad Holmes is going to have to address over the next two seasons through free agency and the draft is that defense, that defense under Matt Patricia was hot fucking garbage the entire time. It was a mess. It was historically bad (laughs) for a guy who was a defensive coordinator before he came in. It was, it was awful. As I've said on this pod before, I've, we our defense was essentially playing one Mississippi two Mississippi three Mississippi go, yeah, because well, there was just no energy there. So so based off of what we have so far, it's a, so you're you're going with uh, with Slater, right, Chris? 
based on what I think is going to be there and I right. hope is there, it's Rashawn Slater. Uh, mine is I would want Penny Asul. He's not going to be there. Then it would be Slater. And then it would be Kyle Pitts. And then after that, probably could talk me into a quarterback. But those are yeah. my top three for sure. Well, based off of our our predictions here, I think the Lions, again, based off of our predictions of what's going to happen with Chase gone, Pitts gone, uh, Sewell gone, I think the Lions should go. Trade up to 12. <laughs> trade up I to 12. Think, I think trade down should, to 12. I'm sorry. Yeah. Trade down to 12. Trade down to 12. I don't think they should go. He tried so hard to get that draft bit that he forgot how numbers work. Hey, man. Come on, man. Come on, boy. You know, all right. Do, so Alvin, hey. Alvin, Dan, save us here. Down. We're going off the rails. Alvin, you want to trade down. Let me give you four teams that we could realistically trade with and what we'd be looking at in a yep. trade for those. So I, I think ultimately there are four really solid draft partners here for the Lions at seven. And number one is Denver, because Denver can look at it and say, okay, well, there's been a lot of smoke about do they believe in golf? Do they not believe in golf? His contract is structured in a way where next year they can ax him and they don't have to give a shit. Um, so, you know, I think it's pretty safe to say right now, Drew Locke looks like a bust. Really does not look good. So this would be a first round pick swap with Denver. We trade seven for nine. Uh, they're most likely going to have to throw in two third rounders, two fourth rounders, or one each, a third and the fourth. Um, it would more likely than not be two thirds, one this year, one next year. So, you know, we would wind up picking twice in a row in the third round uh, with the seventh and eighth picks of the third round in that scenario. Um, and then at, you know, number nine, we could still probably get whoever the heck we wanted because um, I don't really think Carolina has too many competing needs uh, with us. They mostly need corners and wide receivers. You know, they need those kind of speedy guys on their team. So I'm really not too worried about competing needs with Carolina. The next one I want to throw at you is going to be the Washington football team. They're going to be looking for weapons on either side of the ball. Um, this is going to cost them at least their first and second round picks this year. And then it require at least either a starter or two other picks in future years that are at least a fourth round pick or better. So you would probably see a three pick for one pick trade here. We would probably get their first round this year, their second round this year. And I would say most likely a third round next year. Um, that would, uh, honestly, that would be a pretty cool pick too because Washington drafts right before Chicago in the first round, Chicago in the second round, Chicago in the third round, and Minnesota in the fourth round, and Chicago in the fifth round. So just to fuck with your rivals, that is a good place to be at 19. Um, the next one is New England, okay? The Cam Newton experiment has failed, okay? Cam had his good seasons. 
I think his time in the league is pretty well over. People have him figured out, just like they kind of have Lamar Jackson figured out. What's Baltimore's playbook? Lamar Jackson is fast. How do you stop them? Stop Lamar Jackson from running with the football. That's literally the Baltimore playbook, okay? So, so in New England, the Cam Newton experiment is failed. They would have to give up at least three picks. I think you're looking at them basically saying, we're going to give you our first, second, and third round picks this year for the number seven pick. That'd be a huge pickup of draft capital in this year's draft where we already have the fewest draft picks of any team in our division. And that brings us to the last trade partner, which I just said is Baltimore. Lamar Jackson needs more weapons. He just does. Is it a new offensive tackle to replace Orlando Brown? Is it another wide receiver for Lamar to throw seven feet away from? Um, So with two first round picks that are four picks apart for Baltimore, okay, because they're picking at 27 and they're picking at 31 following that trade with Kansas City, Um, They could bundle both the 27 and the 31 with an additional second round pick, say, next year um, or even this year. That would would be nice. Um, But, I mean, they could do that and send that to the Lions. I think that's possible. And I think a lot of Lions fans would look at that and say, it's the end of the round, but two and four picks is pretty good. Um, I I think the most likely of all of those, if anything, is Denver in the event that Justin Fields is there at seven. Um, I I don't see more than three quarterbacks going in the first six. If four quarterbacks go in the first six, you can kiss our trade chances absolutely goodbye. There is no chance if four quarterbacks are taken in the first six picks that we have any trade partners available at all. Because at that point, everything else is on the board for everyone. And I don't think you're going to see a panic. Um, Because, again, it it comes down to what does Atlanta do? And if Atlanta takes a quarterback, man, like, it's too late to push the panic button. You had to trade up to four. Um, So really, at that point, you, you have to look at it from the perspective of if Atlanta does not go quarterback, you have trade partners. Otherwise, you don't. So for my money at seven, you know, the Lions literally need the entire defense. (laughs) Like, there's no position on defense that they don't need. Um, What I would love to see would be the Washington trade. Get down into the middle, and my pick would be Trevon Morig, safety from TCU. He is the top safety in this class. And we don't have a safety. We have a bunch of people who play the safety position, but we don't have a safety. Certainly not a good one. So look, there's an argument to be made, you know, between him and Richie Grant from UCF uh, as to who's the better safety in the draft. I don't really think it's a competition here. Trevon Morig does it all. The dude is a stud. In the 2020 season alone, nine passes defensed, 
two interceptions, two tackles for loss, 47 total tackles. Dude's pretty well-rounded. He's forced a couple fumbles in his career. Uh, You know, he's good there. I would like to see that in a trade-down scenario. If they're picking at seven, I mean, a lot of people link him to Micah Parsons. Parsons is a really good linebacker. Let's not mince words. All three of us being Michigan fans, we've seen him to know. You know, there's no question in the Big Ten that anyone has about the caliber of player that Micah Parsons is. My problem, and and this is where this particular draft has been so difficult because so many players opted out of the 2020 season. And and Micah Parsons opting out to to work on his body, but not working on his football skills. Ah, man, that is tough. I mean, the dude, let's, you know, we're not going to mince words. He's got 18 career tackles for loss, six and a half career sacks, uh, you know, and 191 career tackles. Like the, the dude gets it done pretty well. Um, you look at some of the people that decided to stay for 2020, uh, Jeremiah Owosu-Koroma, uh, Chaz Surratt, um, even Zaven Collins, um, you know, all solid linebackers. Nobody I would take at seven, though. So, you know, if you're going to take it at seven, if Rashawn Slater's there and we have to pick at seven, I'm taking Rashawn Slater. Yeah, we have to use that for the identity The identity of the team is the biggest strength of this team is the offensive line. We've spent a lot of, in Bob Quinn's time here, he spent two of his five first round picks on the offensive line. And they've they've worked out largely well. Taylor Decker, he's been hurt a lot, but when he's in there, he's very effective on the line. And Frank Ragnow, pro bowler, tremendous. Getting another first round pick of either Slater or the pipe dream of Penny Sewell is the ideal pick there to change the focus of the offense. The offense the entire time Matthew Stafford was here. And God bless John Matthew Stafford. He is a tremendous, tremendous person, tremendous athlete. God bless him. But when he was here, our offense was completely one-dimensional based on his arm. We had a Hall of Fame wide receiver for the first six years of his career. So it's... It was a lot of just throw the ball to Calvin, throw the ball around. That's why Stafford has all these tremendous passing records. The running back was something that we've never featured. And we finally have a running back in DeAndre Swift that I would love to see run more. (laughs) But I also don't want to see his marbles rumbled uh, as obviously his production went down after he came back from his concussion. So, you know, this is something Elvin and I talked about last year, too. Um, DeAndre Swift was like my Christmas present. If we found a way to get DeAndre Swift, I was going to be happier than a pig in shit. And sure enough, they fucking got it done at the top of the second round. And I was the happiest goddamn man alive that we were able to pick up DeAndre Swift. So that's, you know, looking at him, carry on Johnson, if he's healthy, is good. DeAndre Swift looks good good we just got to get an offensive line in place i'm willing to stick with golf for two years that's fine 
I don't care. Let some QB have a crazy season like Joe Burrow did, and we're going to be sitting there after, you know, a 4-12 and 12 season. We've got additional draft capital, and we can just be like, yeah, trade up to one. We're going to take him. Bye. Do it. I mean... It's there to do, but you got to get offensive line with this pick. I know the defense, to say the defense has holes is a misnomer. The defense has one or two players, and everything else is missing. May as well not exist. Um, you've, got, you've got the Okwara brothers, and yeah, you have the Okwara brothers. So <laughs> let's just move on from saying it has holes to saying it doesn't exist. But the offensive line to me takes priority here. So let me ask you guys this then. If the scenario was keep the seven pick or I know you want the safety, Dan, at because I, I do like the, the, the Washington football team as a trade partner. I really do. I think we're, we're going to get a lot. With them, I was seeing this this source, uh, you know, on Pro Football Network, where we could get a shit ton from them, and I actually like them as a trade partner at nineteen because I see what you guys are saying, right? Offensive line, we got you know Swift is our future, man. I I, I love the guy. I I, I forget I I've definitely uh, forgiven him for that drop pass uh, week one, but. Here's His first game? <laughs> yeah. And, You're going to uh, hold that against him? You're going to hold what, a fucking hey, kid? At the time, it was the most heartbreaking that quickly? thing. How merciful, Alvin. Hey, it was... It How was, uh, merciful. Hey, at the, at, at the time, that, uh, that was unreal. But, no, I'm, I mean, this guy, the guy is a stud. I was super happy. That missed Damn, that really catch is going to be the thing that likely gets something that helps him become a thousand yard rusher. Think about that. Bulletin yeah. board material. Yeah. But 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 let me ask you this though. You guys want uh O line at seven. But would you rather like what what's your pick? Would you rather trade or would you keep the seven? Trade. And like let's say trade hundred huh? percent. Trade. Get rid I of agree. it. I agree. I I would I would take the trade. There's a lot of really tempting offensive linemen in the first round that they may not have the um, the ultimate impact that I think a Rashawn Slater or a Pettius will have. But then if we move down, then we can also start talking about the the what we've already beat to death here is that we really need to look at our defense. Our defense is non-existent. That so this is, is where yeah, I like exactly. the Baltimore trade scenario. You know, so this is, yeah, this is just really where I that. like the Baltimore trade scenario. So in, in this case, we would wind up with uh, the 27th pick and the 31st pick. Um, really, you know, tight together there. What I would do in that case at 27 is... If he's available, I'd go Christian Derisaw, the offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech. If he's not available, I would go Alex Leatherwood, the offensive tackle out of Bama. And if he's not available, I would go with Samuel Cosme, the offensive tackle out of Texas. I can 
almost guarantee at least one of those guys is going to be available. My order is going to be Derisaw, Leatherwood, Cosme. If at least one of those guys is available at 27, I absolutely take one of those. At 31, one of those two safeties is going to be available, Evil Trevon Morig or Richie Grant. If Morig's available, 100% of the time, I am taking Trevon Morig. Yeah, I, 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 agree, I agree with the sentiment here where it's, our, our preference is to trade down, but it takes two to tango. So I'm more so going to look at, we have to have this pick here at seven and it's got to be an offensive tackle. Prefer to move down so we can talk about offensive tackle if we wanted to, or we could talk about the true need, which is the defense. So, which you know, is, yeah, the Aquara Brower, the Aquara brothers and Brockers who we got for a seventh round pick uh, in 2023 <laughs> from the Rams after the Stafford deal. So, you know, I think my dream scenario is Lions trading with Washington. And if Mike, if, if Parsons is there at 19, I don't think he is. But I've seen some, I don't know, if he, that's the dream scenario, right? That would be my dream scenario. Well, I've seen at least four mock drafts where Parsons wasn't taken until the 20s. Parsons' okay. draft stock has fallen. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that he, his pro day was a pro day. He had one. It was there. I don't think that he really showed anything new when he did play for some team scouts. Um, and, and the big thing, too, is he opted out of the season. It's, it's just yeah. hard to judge because the football acumen, yeah, it's there, but he wasn't able to refine it in any way over 2020. So, you know, his draft stock has definitely slipped as a result of that. And it, it's honestly, for pretty much anyone not named Jamar Chase, really been a, a, a big thing in a lot of mock drafts where if you opted out, your draft stock is just absolutely tank. You know, I think maybe one of the only other guys whose draft stock has continued to rise in spite of opting out of the 2020 season uh, is going to be the defensive tackle out of Washington, uh, Levi Onwuzierke. Um, I mean, he's just a big man at 6'3", 290. Um, you know, he's got seven career sacks, 16 tackles for loss on the career. His draft stock has seemed to rise. It looks like he's going to be a high second-round pick. But if you opted out of 2020, man, say goodbye to your draft stock. It's just plummeted. And that's going to be an interesting thing as we look at day two and we look at day three. There are going to be players that either opted out or maybe had limited playing time that are going to be a you're essentially going to be a a bonus at that point because you're going, and especially in day two. I'm, there's going to, we're going to find people that are you're going to have people that could have been day one talent, but because they sat out. And by the way, I don't besmirch any of these athletes for, for sitting out and just, just working on, on themselves, especially because this, this year was largely a farce in a lot of cases where, because 
we didn't play the, a lot of teams didn't play the full 12, 13 game schedules. I mean, Ohio state made the national championship game and played what three quarters of football, the entire, <laughs> the entire season in the regular season. But that's, that's uh, that kind of leads me into uh, as we uh, start to wrap this up here. Hey guys, thank you for listening to this episode of the Motown call. We had a lot more information talking about what the other teams in the NFC North could do with the draft and also picks that we could see later rounds for the Lions with Dan Koloff's big draft board. But we had an issue with the audio, and so we kind of had to unfortunately cut it. Uh, we're trying to get Dan back for a wrap-up episode where we could talk about this a little bit more. But for right now, that's it for the episode. I want to thank everybody for listening to it. It was a little bit of a longer one, uh, but it gave a lot of really good insight as to what we could have with the draft at the time of this recording tomorrow. Thank you for listening again to the Motown Call. Have a great one.